You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, welcome back to the Writer's Block Podcast here. I'm Jess Navarro, of course, joined by Brandon Laurie, my amazing, awesome, fantastic, incredible co-host that just puts up with me each and every week. And I would say every week, but it's more like every day because we're constantly just planning things, which oh, yeah. is so fun. Um, so something that we had up our sleeve for a while. And when we started this entire grading system that we really have been doing with you guys on and off the past few weeks, we were talking about a specific person that we wanted to bring on just for this position group. And so, folks, I introduce to you our special guest for the day. It is Justin March, J March on Twitter. Um, if you haven't seen his tweets, you probably live under a rock because he has fantastic content coming out on Twitter. Jay, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for joining us here on the oh, Red Block. Thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm just so excited to uh, come here and spend some time with you guys and uh, break, break the linebackers down. And uh, like I said, just spend some time. I'm doing very well. I uh, couldn't be more excited to join you guys today. Yes. Oh my goodness. We're so excited to have you. I remember I texted Brandon, what, it was probably like two months ago at this point that I texted Brandon and I said, guess who I'm going to ask to come on for the linebacker position group when we get to that. And I hope he says yes, because I just don't have anybody else in mind that would do this justice. So yeah, we're very excited to have you. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm, I don't feel like I ask you that enough. Yeah, no, it, it, I'm fantastic. You know, it's it's summer officially now. We, we've crossed over into summer. So I have a few uh, beach trips planned. Of course, being in New Jersey, the Jersey Shore is always a hot spot for a lot of people up here. Um, so I have a couple of vacations planned. But really, it's like this time of year, it really is dead. There's not a lot of news happening and going on right now in the NFL. But that's what gives us the opportunity to have special guests on here and, and give you guys an opportunity to get to know a lot of the people, not only who have a perspective, about the NFL, but people who've played in the NFL and still trying to play and play in the NFL. So I think it's fantastic that we get to do all this stuff. Of course, everybody's schedule is a little bit more open, so we're happy to have Justin on here. And I know, Jess, for you, uh, it's still a little chaotic over on your end, but that's okay. It's not stopping us from doing what we want to do. Look, I live through the chaos. I love it. I live through it. And uh, that is just my life. Yes, still in New Mexico, um, watching my nephews all day, every day. It has been fun. Um, Yeah, when you go from not having kids to watching two kids full time, craziness. But love them. They're so cute and uh, very happy that I get to spend these next couple of weeks with them before the full load of football season comes on. So, um Jay, you know how that works, obviously. (laughs) Um, Let's go ahead and get started because what we're going to do today is we're going to go through the linebacker room. We're going to give them our final grade for what we think we're going to see this upcoming season. But first, Jay, I wanted to get your your take on take us back to how your career really started. Um, You can even start within college, how you got into the NFL, what happened while you were in the NFL. Um, I heard a little bit of your backstory uh, when you did a podcast a while back through the Cowboys, Um, but you tell it so, so well. So 
I don't want to butcher it in any way. So how did it all get started for you? Uh, so, uh, and thanks, thanks for asking that question. Um, I do get that a lot and it is a long, uh, I guess a, a long story, but always shrink it down into, you know, some key factors, um, that play in. So I, obviously I went to the university of Akron in Ohio and, um, you know, in the Mac conference, there's a lot of Mac guys. So shout out to all the Mac guys in the, in the NFL. Um, so yeah, I started started that at the University of Akron. Um, I came in as was probably like I don't know, maybe 200 pounds, like linebacker. So I was you know always pretty small um, at the time, and uh, then eventually I ended up gaining like maybe like 20 pounds from going from my sophomore year to my junior year. And I didn't really like putting on the extra weight, but I put it on anyway, and I just happened to have my best season. Um, that that year, um, I think I started off the first, I don't know, maybe two to three games with four interceptions or so. So I was almost getting an interception a game. And then uh, quarterbacks kind of stopped throwing it my way. So I thought I was going to go for maybe 10 picks. Uh, but uh, NFL shortly got on, got on notice um, after that. And, uh, you know, just went to my, my senior year knowing I would, you know, probably have a chance to play at the next level. So I kind of worked hard for that. Um, ended up going undrafted to the Kansas City Chiefs in 2015. Um, went there, and uh, from the beginning, um, you know, always been a player that um, I kind of strive when I put uh, pads on. So, um, you know, very physical. Um, I just, just real football to me. Um, instead of like OTAs and, uh, you know, you tag off and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so I went, went undrafted to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they gave me a great opportunity to showcase my skills, to uh, compete for playing time. So I uh, went and I did that and uh, actually ended up rotating with the starters. Um, which was pretty awesome. Ended up having a lot of highlights during my rookie training camp. Um, you know, I was in the paper a lot, on social media a lot, all that kind of stuff, which was really fun. Um, and I just love playing the game, so I was just competing at a high level. And uh, it just started to work out for me. So started getting some playing time and um, rotating in with the starters. And then we get to a uh, preseason, first preseason game, you know, rotating in and uh, the linebacker goes down. So now I'm out there with the starters. And, uh, you know, it was around, it was 2015, so it was Eric Berry's uh, first game back returning from cancer and all that. So um, I would happen to, you know, share the, share the field with him, along with, you know, Derek Johnston, Justin Houston, uh, Marcus Peters, uh, Ron Parker, uh, <laughs> just about, just about, you know, great group of people, a lot, a lot of stars on that defense. So being able to share the field with them, and um, I think my ran down on the kickoff, you know, kind of my knee kind of buckled, didn't think anything of it, played through it the whole game. Um, my first, I would say my first play on defense might have been like a, third and one TFL, which was pretty awesome. Um, so that was, it was like all starting, starting off right. And then uh, after the game, my knee kind of slowed up. I uh, didn't think anything of it. And uh, sure enough, they were like, yeah, when we get back, we'll get an MRI on your knee and uh, kind of go from there. And I'm just, I'm just so excited that I played the game. Got off the flight, my knee was slow. <laughs> so I was like, maybe there's something a little bit off here. Uh, so I did get an MRI uh, that next morning. I uh, got a phone call back that night. And they were like, yes, yeah, like a grenade went off your knee. Um, you know, you have you know, all these different things in your knee, uh, torn, uh, you know, uh, yeah, microfracture surgery. So the whole Jadavion Conley surgery, I, I had to get that done. So um, got all that done. And then uh, 2016, came back, um, competed for a starting spot again, um, ended up winning the starting spot, going into the regular season, um, which was like a goal of mine was to get that spot back. So I did accomplish that. And then um, I want to say on my way back from uh, like the, pretty much like this break, um, in 2016, coming from, you know, OTAs and minicamp, going into training camp, uh, I would stop back home to the youth football camp and uh, noticed that my dad's eyes were kind of yellow. So I was like, man, you might want to get that checked out. And um, he had a history of, you know, health issues and everything like that. Um, they had been diagnosed with a 
Anchor Act cancer going in that season. So all I wanted to do was to start. I didn't want to start so you can watch me on TV because I knew you couldn't come to the game. So I won that. I accomplished that. And then um, I ended up breaking my hand maybe week four or five. And then this is how old I am back then. When you got put on IR, you were done for uh, eight weeks. So um, that happened. I was able to go home and spend time with my dad. And then, um, you know, just dedicated that whole offseason to, uh, to him and getting in better shape and, um, you know, actually being a productive starter. And um, – then got to, you know, the offseason was starting there. Um, did, you know, I think I might have had the most turnovers in the offseason that year. And then uh, that's when everything kind of got shifted. Uh, John Dorsey, who was the GM in Kansas City, um, that's when, you know, him in Kansas City and Park Ways that summer right before training camp. They traded for two linebackers. And uh, after the preseason, uh, I got released, got claimed by the Dolphins, went there for three games. Um, I think they had some PEP stuff to figure out. Like, hey, we're just going to release you for 24 hours. You'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Um, and then the Seahawks claimed up waivers. So I went to Seattle. Um, I was there for two two games total. Um, so my first game there, um, I want to say, um, I get to the locker room after the game and miss my phone. They're like, hey, your wife's on the phone. Um, my little brother just passed away. So they're like, hey, I'm going for the funeral. And uh, that was sometime in October of 2017. And then, you know, they wanted to bring me back. And then I also had a uh, offer from the Bears to join. And I grew up in Illinois. Um, so the Bears were always like a team I always saw. I thought I could, you know, play for and stuff like that. And then uh, the Cowboys. And the Cowboys had tried to, um, they had put in a waiver claim prior to that when I left Kansas City. So I always knew that there was like, you know, some interest there. And uh, the other teams didn't. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go to Dallas. And, you know, my dad said, if you ever get a chance to, to wear the star, you go take it. So, um, I did that and uh, came to Dallas in October of 2017. Um, so I finished 17, uh, 18, 19, and 20 with the Dallas Cowboys. And, um, you know, just coming at such a rough time in my life. Um, I know people people would always say it was like a running joke in, a, in the NFL at the time that, um, you know, the Cowboys had like some of the hardest practices, right? Uh, Jason Garrett and, and those guys and uh, Rob Marinelli and, uh, you know, Matt Eberflus and all those guys were like super hard on human practice. Um, so what was different about Dallas when I came was that you were, they were still doing one-on-one. So they were still in pads. They were still getting after it. And, um, like I said, I pride myself on, you know, my one-on-one ability and competing. And, um, sure enough, they were still doing one-on-ones and, um, they threw me in there and I had a, made a lot of great plays, um, you know, just for being, you know, fresh, fresh from a different state or from a different team, um, made, uh, made a lot of, you know, a lot of impressions, uh, with the coaches and, um, you know, they were like, uh, yeah, you can, you know, when are you bring your family down? And I was like, I've been on like four teams in the past two months. There's no way my family's coming down until, <laughs> until things are, uh, you know, for sure, for certain. And they were like, um, well, we think you'll be safe for a year. Um, as long as you keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, needless to say, you know, I spent the rest of, uh, the rest of, you know, that bulk of my career. And then kind of like on the back end, uh, left there, signed with, um, left Dallas, signed with the Tennessee Titans. I went there for an all an entire off season, um, and then uh, preseason as well. Um, I want to say I got COVID right before the last preseason game, which kind of hurt my chances of uh, you know that that wild year of um, you know making the team, being ready, and uh, fighting back from obviously losing 15 pounds or so from COVID. And uh, then I just kind of worked out for teams. Um, actually, ended up crazy story. Actually, ended up working out for the Niners. So I worked out for the Niners and um, I actually was, I actually signed my contract with the Niners. It was probably early, earlier in the, uh, maybe like week four maybe. So I signed a contract with the Niners, which 
not a lot of people even know this story, but I signed a contract with the Niners and, um, you know, they sent it to my agent to sign. And right during that time, I want to say, uh, Raheem Mostert had just sat out for the year. So they're like, actually, we're not going to sign you. You need a running back. <laughs> so I had already, so it was like one of those deals that they're like, man, I've been waiting, this, waiting for this opportunity. Um, so did that. And then they were like, but is there any chance we'll make it up to you, uh, you know, over the next few weeks, we'll try to get you here. We want you. And uh, weeks go by, and then they actually called and signed me. Um, so I played. I want to say I was there for maybe two weeks, uh, played one game. And then uh, once they released me, what happened next? So I was sitting at, yeah, it's crazy. So I was sitting at home, and um, I want to say I went and worked out for a few teams. Um, I want to say during Thanksgiving week, I might have worked out for maybe four teams just within that week alone. And uh, nothing, you know, didn't get anything out of it. Um, so I was kind of like down or whatnot. And then a couple weeks later, I ordered myself a pizza. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to stress out about it. I'm just going to watch football from a fan perspective. Order me a pizza. This is what they do on Sunday nights. This is what I'm doing. So, so I, go in, I go in, I order me a pizza. And uh, I get a phone call Sunday night while I'm about to indulge in some good pizza. And uh, they're like, uh, it's the Saints. And the Saints are like, hey, um, we play a game tomorrow night. Is there any chance we can get you on a red eye? You can come play because all our guys are out with COVID. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. So I get on, I get on the red eye. I stay at the airport hotel. I go to, um, you know, pregame meal. And I'm starting on pretty much all four phases on special teams. Um, and I did well. And then uh, I get a phone call. I want to say from the Raiders, you know, the next day, like, hey, we're signing off the Saints practice squad. So I end up going there getting, uh, you know, two or three games in to uh, complete, you know, year seven. Um, so that was pretty much it. So then I re-signed with them, and then they cleaned house, and then that was kind of like the, the, end of, the end of the story. And then, you know, you go to training and, um, you know, working as hard as you can to, to get another opportunity, and um, that was pretty much the, the ending of it. So a lot of stuff happened. Sorry to drag that out, but uh, that's just the, the shrunken down version of obviously there's a lot of stuff into it, but – very fortunate, very blessed to have played as much as I did and to be a part of some great organization, have some great teammates. Man, what a story. But the question is, did you finish your pizza? I did not. So, oh, uh, my goodness. Uh, and, and my kids, I don't think they finished it because they were in bed. Um, <laughs> so no, that nobody finished this pizza? No one, no one finished this, this pizza, and it was good, uh, good Ohio pizza. So. Oh, man. Well, you deserve some pizza. Absolutely go get yourself some pizza to make up for that one. Um but wow, what a story of just perseverance. And I love how you tell it because it's just, it's such a unique story in the sense that, you know, you kept going and you kept yeah. pushing yourself to say, I still have more. I can still do it. And you did because you performed every single time your name was called. And so to me, that is just such an incredible story. And I, oh, I love that you shared that. But um, yeah, it's, it's really cool that we get to have you on for this because you obviously see football a lot different than us from the outside. I never played football. Uh, Brandon, I don't think you ever played. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was a pop Warner all-star running back and linebacker. Okay. Our, our team went Sorry. nine and zero one year. We won the championship. So oh yeah. my gosh, I struck a nerve with Brandon. I'm so sorry. Um, but you see it a lot differently. And so we knew you were the guy to call. 
um, just to really help us go through this linebacker room for the Cowboys because it's pretty stacked right now, as as you know. So let's get started. Let's go down the list of who we're working with here. We have Damone Clark going into his second season, Jabril Cox going into his third season, Devin Harper going into his second season, Malik Jefferson going into his fourth season, Isaiah Land. He was an undrafted free agent this season. Rookie season coming up, DeMarvian Overshone. Rookie season as well, our third-round draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys this year. Leighton Vandresh going into his sixth season already. I cannot believe I'm saying that. That's yeah. crazy. That flew by. Um, and then, of course, Micah Parsons going into his third season. Also crazy to say that. Um, but let's get started. Brandon, I'm going to hand over the mic to you. I feel like I just talk nonstop when I host these things. So <laughs> you go ahead, ask the first question, and let's get going. Well, I also like, too, Justin, about your story is that when – you know, opportunities don't really come your way. You're always ready. And I think that's yep. the definition of being a true linebacker in the NFL is that, listen, when, when a team calls, you have to be ready. You have to be ready yep. to be prepared. And I think a lot of these guys that are on the Cowboys roster, I mean, there isn't a lot of proven depth. When you look at everything, it's just there's a lot of youth on this team. And when Leighton Vander Esch was talking at the Home Run Derby that the Cowboys have annually, he mentioned, he said, I thought last year's group was young. He said this year's group is even younger. And when you look at it, it's it really is a young group where I looked at the average age of the position group and it's about 24 years, but with NFL experience, about two and a half years of NFL experience. So I'll ask you first is, you know, some people might say that inexperience and youth is a disadvantage, but how can you spin that and say that it actually can play in favor of the Cowboys based on what experience that you've had at the position? Yes. So my, uh, my overall thought on a youth of a unit, um, I would say it is, has everything to do with coaching. Um, and then being able to, I guess, simplify the game for some of these young kids. And um, coaching really plays a big factor into it because it's pretty simple. They know exactly what they're doing. I mean, it's just like they've been playing football their whole life. So it'd be easy to execute. Where you kind of get in the gray areas, you have like a young team, and then there's so many plays to understand. And then they have, you know, their, their minds slow and they're trying to, you know, trying to live outside of football, trying to get into a new NFL routine, which is completely different than college. Um, and then also having good good vets like like Layton um, that actually you know understands the defense in, in its totality. Um, great vet, great person, uh, one of my best friends. And then you take guys like that, and then you surround them with guys like Michael Parsons, um, Trayvon Diggs, um, you know uh, Stephon Gilmore. Um, you got, got Jordan Lewis. You got Donald. You got all these guys. The Marcus Lawrence, um, Jonathan Hankins. You know. You got all these vets who they understand what the NFL is about. So being able – I know when I came into Dallas Cowboys, a lot of the vets kind of took me under their wing to say, hey, this is what we're doing. And if anything, the culture to me, from looking on the outside, I'm not, I'm not in the locker room, looks to be even better than it was when I was there. So um, I think that they really won't have a problem. If they if they understand how to, you know, simplify it, um, can get these kids learning, I think coaching and teaching plays a big part in – uh, the youth of the unit, and um, there's been so many guys that succeed from it. Um, and I think I think coaching really does play a big factor in that, obviously. And then the the players, you know, willingness to to learn and put the time in, understand the playbook in this in its totality, and um, yeah, just execute. 
you just talk like a football player. Like <laughs> you just talk like a football player. It's it's incredible. But speaking of the youth in the unit, let's talk about DeMarvian Overshone and Isaiah Land, two guys that have to essentially go in with the chip on their shoulder to compete for that final 53-man roster spot for themselves. What do you think that they have to do to kind of prove themselves and make sure they land in that 53? Um. Once again, just I think that is an understanding the playbook and then making plays through your assignment, which I think is is, is pretty huge. And uh, it'll ultimately come down to you know who can make the most plays um, and who understands the defense the best, who's not a liability because you know you have some guys that you know are really good athletes, but they really can't. They play a lot slower during the games because they really don't understand the playbook or or any or you know different things about how to execute certain certain plays. Um, so I think with them. Special team will play a big factor, um, and that was something that was kind of like my calling card. And because um, not every there's not a, there's not a position there's only a certain amount of positions for a certain amount of guys on the field. So uh, my question is, you know, who would be you know the one to um, you know contribute the most outside of just playing linebacker? Who can play you know all three linebacker positions? Who can understand the defense the best, and then ultimately who can go and make plays? I think those all play play a big factor in it, but. We look at these guys. I mean, they're they're both six three, six four, can run. Um, so I think that they, you know they have a lot of use uh, for both of those guys. If they can find a spot to maybe keep them both, keep one on practice squad, and um, you know you know how how different the the games are week by week. You, uh, I know that DeMarvian Overshone, I know the NFL uniform policy is a little different, but he had all those bands on his arms at college. I call him the rubber band man, uh, yeah. you know, because he is very springy. He's definitely a great athlete and somebody that I think Dan Quinn is going to use uh, to, his, to his advantage. And you set up my next question perfectly. So maybe you have a, a, a future in, broad, in broadcasting or NFL <laughs> media. Um, you know, you talked about that when a position group lacks experience, coaching is really kind of what shines and kind of carries everything. And, you know, in 2020, Scott McCurley was the position coach. You were here for a little bit. You got to spend a little bit of time with him. Um, and, of course, with George Edwards leaving, McCurley is back being the Cowboys linebacker coach. So can you talk a little bit about him as a coach, your experience with him, and, and how much he can be an asset to this room in general? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like Scott when I was there personally. Um, and I say that because he was a guy that was never too um, – how would I put it? He, he was never too like, – he was always poised. And I will, I will say that he was always poised – you know, we always kind of sought the best. He's open to different ideas um, as far as, like, how, how you do things. Um, and I just know that the guys, the guys liked him when I was there from talking to him. So, like I said, coaching will play a factor. And I think, uh, I think Scott would do well, especially with um, – it's always hard when you have, um, I guess, an older coach with you mm. uh, because you can't completely take over. You almost have to be cautious on things you say. Um, because their style of, you know, teaching linebacker might be completely different than yours, but you have to bridge that gap. So I think with Scott, you know, kind of having his own uh, linebacker core, if you will, I think that'll play a big factor because even when I was there, George was still a big part of, you know, um, the makeup of the linebacker unit. That makes sense um, how, how things are, are ran. Obviously, I had this uh, um, sorority over him, meaning, you know, he was uh, – Forget the exact word, but basically he was he was still an older guy with the most experience in the NFL. So um, what he said kind of held more weight um, when you talk to you know the defensive staff and stuff like that. So Scott, I think he will do well. Um, obviously, he has his own experience, obviously with Green Bay, and then um, you know now that it's kind of like his show, and he's because um, I think Darren Thompson is working with him. But now that it's his show, and he has somebody younger now, he can completely say, "Hey, this is my unit." This is how we're going to do things, and they kind of adjust off of that. So I think that would be very important. 
Very good stuff there. Let's jump on over to talk about Micah Parsons because, of course, we can't do this episode without talking about Micah Parsons. What do you see from Micah, just from your eyes and and how you view football, what do you see from Micah that kind of sets him apart from kind of the typical linebacker in the NFL? Aside from his versatility and everything we know he can do, what sets him apart? And is he setting a standard of his own or does he remind you of a player that kind of you grew up watching or, or you've seen in the past? So, so Micah is a different player than a lot of people that's ever played football. I only say that because I honestly believe that he can play just about anywhere on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe back at running back like he did in high school. Uh, one of my good friends actually coached him uh, running back in Harrisburg. But um, I just think Micah, what makes him so good is, I mean, he's so, so versatile. Um, he can do just about anything. He's so fast. He's so physical. He understands football, and he plays like he plays like he's like his hair is just on fire all the time. And you really don't see a lot of people that do that because you get to this level, and you know guys tend to take breaks, they tend to take plays off. But if you ever look at Michael, he's always going. I think him being you know relentless. That, that's what most guys who are trying to you know make a Division One starting unit. They're always their efforts always there. And he's done this every, just about every single play in the NFL over and over again. He's, he's beat some of the best tackles. Um, he's, he's beat some of the best tight ends when they try to block him. No, I don't think anybody can really block him. And then if you can, he's still going. So if your quarterback decides to roll out, he's pretty much there. So, and then if there's a play, you know, 50 yards down the field, he, he's chasing it down. And I think that's what makes him really good because the more, you know, relentless he is and the more effort he gives, the more he's around the football um, the more offenses actually have to think about it. So they're pretty much game planning, but there's really no, no, you really can't game plan against him unless you try to confuse him. And um, we saw the Eagles did trying to do a lot of RPO stuff. And then we saw what happened, you know, um, down the road, you know, when, when, um, when Dallas, they kind of shut that down and things happened. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think just his relentless nature and how he plays a game of football is kind of like a lost art in the NFL. And um, when you, when you see stuff like that, it, you can see why he succeeds. Not only just because he's fast, he's physical, his get off is crazy, he's very talented, but you can tell he loves football. And when you can tell a kid loves football, you can pretty much tell them to do anything and they'll do it like you know, like they're like they're young kids. So I think I think that's what makes him different than a lot of people in the NFL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. He's an energizer bunny, uh, for sure. (laughs) Exactly. And I recently saw pictures that he was, I believe, either at a camp or training with somebody, and he was uh, shown throwing a football. So maybe he could play uh, as a fourth-string quarterback, the emergency quarterback, (laughs) if need be. You Um, never know. You never know. It's like you want to give him the op- every opportunity to succeed, and he really is an athletic specimen. 
And yeah. something that when you were on the Cowboys in 2018, that's the year, of course, they traded for Amari Cooper. Um, in the divisional round against the Rams, of course, the Rams uh, were very successful with running the ball with over 273 yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> and that sort of shifted the change in philosophy for the Cowboys, I think, to be a run defense, like first defense, to make yeah. sure that they stop the run. And when you look at a guy that they brought in this year, an athletic specimen in himself, and Mozzie Smith, and you see Jonathan Hankins coming back. Like those are two big dudes in the center of the defense for the defensive line. How much does it help to have really big defensive tackles as a linebacker so that you guys can freelance and, and roam freely and play within the scheme, knowing that the front of the pocket is just protected and you guys can just, you know, roam free, not worrying about guards or anybody coming at you. Yeah. So, so this is what I really like with, um, what Dallas did when they drafted, uh, Ozzy Mozzie, uh, Smith, but I like the fact that, you know Demarcus Lawrence and you know um, Micah Parsons, Doris Armstrong. You know these guys can get after the quarterback. And then you know that Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore are locked down corners. And then you know you have, you know, and then your only problem was how well can we stop the run from going from, you know, not only a playoff team but a Super Bowl caliber, caliber winning team. Um, not just to make it a Super Bowl but to win it. And I think that what they did and the moves they made throughout the draft set them up for a chance to actually win the Super Bowl. Not only just make it and make a run for it, but to actually win it. When you look at stopping a run, um, obviously when the, when the Eagle, when they played the Eagles, they, they Eagles were able to run the ball, do stuff like that. So it's like, okay, well they went to the Super Bowl. If we stopped them from running the football, it's very easy for us to go to the go to the uh, the Super Bowl. So I think with how they kind of built their roster and having guys that can stop the run and you can free up the linebackers who are athletic <laughs> and they can just run and hit. I mean, the, you, you can't ask for anything better as a linebacker to say, hey, well, I don't really have to worry about playing the run first because I have two big dudes here that'll, that'll stop the run and I can kind of be late to it, which means if, if we're looking at the Cowboys linebackers, I mean, the average height is about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I mean, none of them ran over a 4'6". Forty. So we're talking big dudes that can run and hit, very athletic, can blitz, and then you know they don't, you know they, they just with their bodies they take up the run game. And you also have like two specimens in front of them that that'll take that in. You have you know I just, I just think they're a really good football team overall. And I think the addition of uh, Maji Smith was was very big. I know a lot of people are like hey, you know draft draft another receiver, draft the draft the corner. Um, all these things, but I think they did exactly what they needed to because they already have a Super Bowl caliber roster. But then when you put it like, okay, now that's only on paper. Obviously, they got to go in and work for it, which I think they'll they'll get it done for sure. And something Brandon and I talked about post draft and post round one with Mozzie was that the Cowboys mean business this offseason. I mean, we were talking about their one krypton, kryptonite being the run defense, and then look what happens first round of the draft. You get the ultimate, ultimate addition to your team that's going to ensure that your run defense is fixed up and ready to go for the oncoming season. So I'm glad that uh, you pointed that out. But what I wanted to talk to you about was Damone Clark, because his breakout season last year was just absolutely impressive. He had 47 total tackles, two forced fumbles within that time after coming off of a spinal fusion surgery. So incredible uh, what that Cowboys medical staff can do and, and help these guys really recover from. Um, so I really like his ability to set the tone. I saw you had tweeted uh, a while back about setting the tone. How is that going to really help him take his year two jump? And what do you think he needs to do to kind of build off of that success and make it even better going into his year two? 
Yeah, so he, um, like I said, he kind of reminds me of a, uh, a bigger, um, who is it that plays for the Chiefs? Bolton? Yeah, yeah, Nick Bolton. Yeah, so when we talk about Nick Bolton and, you know, his ability to obviously be as good as he is, I think um, Clark has the same ability within within himself. So, I mean, he's – because they brought him in on a lot of the dime packages, um, lashing the nickels and stuff like that because he, he's a good coverage. Um, you know, he's a great zone player. Um, and I think, like you said, he can set the tone. Um, if they're throwing the ball across the middle, he's, he's always around the ball. He's always hitting. I think having a guy that is always around the ball and is always looking to punch the ball out, force a fumble, um, obviously with uh, Jerron Curse as well. <laughs> and then you got it. Those guys on the field at the same time, and a lot of those packages from Wild Watch last year, um, you know, did a, did a lot of good things for him because he can move. And I think being, you know, 6'2", 6'3", um, 245, and, you know, you're running, what, a 4'5"? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of, that's a, that's a yeah. big body, you know, running around, making some tackles. So I, I think that the more he just continues to play and obviously coming off that injury, he'll just continue to get better. So I think he's, he's headed to a breakout season, like you said. And, um I mean, once they stop the run and, and you can't pass it to uh, really anyone on the outside, it'd be pretty like you got to throw it across the middle, and that's why I think the linebacker group will uh, eat that for sure. Definitely, and something that we talk about when we're talking about a Dan Quinn built defense is versatility. That seems to be the word that we all use all the time. Just like it's so casual and like it's so easy to do to be so versatile in all four phases of the game. Right. So what I really wanted to ask you was, you know, when it comes to position flex, we know it's important. Um, and, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, that's the big discussion right now, especially when you're talking O-line, but how important is it for guys to go in there knowing that they need to be an asset on special teams as well? Because special teams sets the tone, it gets games started early, and it essentially can be a make or break for a lot of victories and successes when it comes to games like we've yeah. seen. What Tell us how important it is for those guys to go in, be versatile enough to be an asset on special teams, because I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact that Luke Gifford, um, you know, was gone to the Titans and he was a really big asset on special teams. So of course that leaves kind of a hole that some of these guys can go in and compete for and fill. How important, how important is it to be an asset, not just in the linebacker room, but on special teams as well? Yeah. And, and speaking for someone who I played a little bit of special teams in college, not, not too much. Um, then when I went to Kansas city, I was pretty much, you know, starting and playing. So I didn't really do too much special teams there up until, you know, I was like, okay, this is kind of like, I'm kind of at that point where I'm, you know, close to getting cut. And uh, then I kind of honed in on special teams. I really, I really put myself around, you know, those key special teams players with the Kansas City Chiefs and learned, you know, how important it really was and how important it is when you're talking about, you know, making a roster and where do these guys fit. I mean, we have, you know, a certain amount of players from a certain amount of spots. Can he play special teams? Can he be an asset in that way? And I think a lot of young players across the NFL in general just have to understand that being an asset on special teams gives you another opportunity to keep your foot in the door. Um, and I wasn't even, like I said, when I first started, I wasn't even big on special teams and I wasn't, you know, all about it. It wasn't up until I understood that, like, okay, this is what the vets were talking about, how important special teams is and being versatile. Like, being able to play not only, you know, the Mike linebacker, but being able to play the will and understand it and then being able to say, okay, well, I'm going to be a four-phase starter and I understand two positions. Now, if we're short on either way, I can play Mike, I can play Will, and I can still start on all the special teams. And uh, I think I think that's really important because special teams is a big factor when you think about, um, you know, any that you have to make 
you know, a lot of great plays on special teams. You just can't really make any stupid ones. And I think, I think like, blocking, you know, saying getting punts blocked and, and stuff like that. Like, I, I believe Luke had a couple punt blocks last last year and how he impacted the game there, setting up field position for offense. Um, I think it's huge. And, and whenever you can block a punt, you know, score on kickoff return, anything like that, you're contributing to the team. And I think most coaches would agree with me that if we can find somebody who's willing to contribute to the team and can contribute, they're worth keeping around. And yeah, it's it's a great point. And, and Luke Gifford, I know his breakout game for me this season was the Green Bay Packer game, where I believe he had four or five special teams tackles, maybe yeah. a little bit more than that. And it's like Mike McCarthy yeah. actually spoke about it by name and told him that he was an elite special teams player. And that's something like you're saying that it's important. And when you can find that role and embrace it, it's something that can separate yourself from the rest of the roster. And you're in yeah. with, you're in your own bubble almost. Yeah. Um, and so my, one of the final questions that I had for you is uh, a two-parter. One I just thought of where Kevontae Turpin is an elite kick returner, punt returner. Uh, does that make your job difficult as a special teams player, you know, when you're trying to set up blocks, or does it make it easier to know that you have such an electric guy behind you? And then the second question is, do you have a Bones Fossil story uh, to tell us that, of course, you know, PG uh, for, for, the, for the podcast here, or any other, like, great story that you have from your, from your playing career? Uh, okay, so to, to answer the first question, I think when you have an elite special teams return like that, um, it makes your job harder and easier because you know that the guys on the other side are like, man, we need to run as fast as we can. We need to do everything we can to stop this guy from scoring. So they're, so they're more dialed in, right? They're, they're trying to actually stop him. And then it becomes easier because sometimes they get overly aggressive and you have a great return who can read blocks. And I think it's just building that chemistry just like it would be on offense, just like it would be on defense. It's building chemistry. And I think when, when I was there, for example, we talked about Luke Gifford. Um, Luke wasn't – he wasn't what he was back, like, like early on in his career, right, on special teams. Like, he, he was good, but he worked at it. It was like, hey, Jay, what, what can I do? What do you think? What are you seeing here? How, do, how does it break down? Then we'll go and we talk to, to, uh, to Tony Pollard and say, hey, this is what we're seeing. What are you seeing back there? And then building that chemistry to the point where we go, okay, this is, why, this is why he's running like this to set it up. So then it became easier to obviously influence him to go that way because we know what the returner is wanting to do. And uh, just talking about Turpin, I think when you're coming off of one season going into another, another is kind of hard. So I'm excited to see what it'll do with a full NFL offseason, heading into you know training camp, and then not coming fresh off of a season where he was, I believe, what was the offensive MVP or something of that yeah. league. League MVP. Right. Yeah. So, but then he went right from that into the NFL. Yeah. So it's like with him having a full offseason of NFL, I think he'll be one of the most dangerous players in in the National Football League. And then um, as far as Bones, um, just when I just when I met Bones, um, I actually just we actually just got done um, I think it was a year after we got put out by the Rams in the playoffs and we came back and beat him by like forty points. <laughs> it was like he came up to me after the game and um he's like, you know what, I never go up to guys after the games. Um, but he was like, man, I just respect you, I respect your game. Um, man, you're just you're just awesome out there. And that was like it just like kind of stuck with me. And then when it came down to uh, making the decision, they were like, oh, my agent texted me, like, oh, I think, um, I think Bones is coming there. And then I was like, oh, shoot. So um, he's like, would you, would you want to go there? Would you want to take one of these other, other offers? I was like, no, I'll stay here with Bones. And it was probably the, the best decision that I had made, I would say, in my football career was not only to learn about, learn more about special teams, even though it was like short-lived, it was a year, but I want to say I was in his office maybe every day of the entire season, entire off season. Um, but spending time with him and understanding, you know, that 
he loves football more than probably any any coach I've been around. I'm just, and I'm, I'm not just saying that, but he broke down, you know, the, the two-minute drills. He knows exactly all the penalties in, in football. He knows um, all the old stories. He would, you know, trivia questions. I mean, he just made playing football so fun and playing special teams so fun to the point where, like, you would run through a wall for a guy. I know a lot of people say that, um, but genuinely, he was, a, you know, he's a great, great person, great husband, you know, great teacher. And um, I would say the, the funny the funny stories or some of the good moments were probably every night before um, a game, just all the special teams guys, we would all get together and we would, he would have different quotes and stuff about, you know, bending water, bending air, like all, all this random stuff. And it always came back down to um, the sport of football or the sport of life and, and understanding that. So there's always like a fun moment. I believe we played, a, we had like a rock, paper, scissors champion throughout the, throughout the year. It was like a big tournament in every game. Like you were looking forward to it. Like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm one step closer to, to winning this rock, paper, scissors championship. And, you know, when you're a kid, you play rock, paper, scissors for fun. But like, here we are, we're, you know, 25, 26 year old, six year old, you know, NFL players looking forward to playing rock, paper, scissors, something so meaningless uh, at the time just meant so much to us. I'm sure they, I'm sure they still do it, but he definitely finds um, fine ways for you to believe. And um, yeah, I'll never forget. I believe it was a, <laughs> I believe it was a play where we ran like a fake or something that didn't work out. And um, we kind of knew we were too far for it to work. And then uh, he was like, you know what, we're going to run that again next week. <laughs> it's like just, just that type of belief when you're like, man, we just fell. It didn't work. And he was like, no, we're, we'll do it again. We'll, we'll do it again. Like I would, I would, you know, so just having a guy like that, um, I don't think there's any like too crazy story, too much crazy stories. But I believe every every team meeting, um, you know, at least, at least towards the end of the week, he's he's doing a dance or something. But he has like a whole routine, um, handshake deal with the other special teams coach, and um, it's like a pretty much like a show, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty cool though. He's he's a great coach. He can relate to all the players. But uh, definitely, there there was a time where. I said the greatest moment was there was a time we had a meeting and we didn't talk about any football and he was just talking about he just told us his story um you know the most important things in my life obviously having a guy in your life being a great person and we didn't talk football at all and I think we went out and we probably had the best game on special teams when I was there and we didn't talk about football at all it just goes to show you how much I like teaching and coaching going into it but like we talk about like just the importance of, of life and the importance of like loving somebody and being kind to somebody else. And that's what I live by. So just seeing how much the team kind of responded to that. I mean, we were talking about no football the night before the night before a game. Or the, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, go out there and everybody just plays their best. And it wasn't like we we're trying to remember what our assignment was. It was just like, man, we're just doing it for the love of the game. And I think, I think um, you know, one day when he is a head coach, I think uh, I think you'll, you'll hear these type of stories a lot more than, than just me telling you. I was only waiting for a year, but I'm sure guys will tell you, and that's how much he impacted my life. And, you know, we still talk to this day. So that's just bonus for you. Oh, I love that. And it's just such a prime example of how much of an impact these coaches can have for these guys, especially if they're not just making it about football, because it's so stressful if, you know, you put it in terms of, of work, right? Everyday work of if your yep. boss is like, hey, do your job, do your job, do your job. You're like, I know what my job is. <laughs> but, you know, asking someone, hey, how are you doing today? Um, let's let's learn a life lesson together. It, it just connects you guys so much more as people. And it, yep. like you said, it makes you want to run through a wall for people. Yeah, like I'll, yeah so, I'll always describe it as like, Back when you were a kid and you were just like going to school, going to school, it's like 
you live you live like that, but it well, like bones, it was more like every day was almost a field trip. So you're excited to get up and like, I wonder what we're doing. Like I wonder how, you know, this day is gonna be different than, than the next. So it was like, you know, especially when you're so used to doing everything, you know, methodical and stuff like that. And like every day was like a field trip. We didn't know what we were gonna get. We're excited, you know, he'd be like, Hey, let's meet on the turf. We're not going in the meeting room and we'll just go out there and just walk and talk football. So I think I think um I think they'll have a really good year, especially like I said with Turpin. Um, being able to, um, you know, have a full NFL offseason. So, it, yeah, everything was awesome for sure. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Two-part question and probably our last one, but Brandon and I are the millennial fans, right? So we grew up <laughs> in the Tony Romo, Jason Witten, Jez, Brian era where those are our our guys, right? So when we always talk about our dads, we're like, oh, Emmett Smith is their guy. Trey Aikin is their guy. And, and those are our guys. We're the millennial mm-hmm. fans. And um, so I have to go, I have to ask you first. And, and the first part of the question is, what was it like playing with Sean Lee, the general? Um, I mean, what was it like there? And then the second part of my question is, you got to really see the beginning of Dak and Layton's careers. What has it been like for you to see them grow and, and really progress into not just the players that they are now, but the men as well that they've grown into within their time with the Cowboys? Yeah, so uh, that's a really, really good two-part question. So with Sean Lee, um, I would say he is probably the craziest, most – you know, smart football, most loving dudes you could ever, ever like, you know, be around. And football player-wise, I mean, there's not anyone that I can recall during my time playing, playing with so many different people that, like, he knew what the corners were supposed to do, where the safety was supposed to be at, every linebacker position, what they were supposed to do, where the D-liner was supposed to fit, what gaps were supposed to be open to the point where this is where the ball has to be ran. If it's not, it's going back to the backside C gap. Um, how that safety is supposed to be playing. So I, I just remember being in, we'd do like a walkthrough and there's like a scout team and there's like defensive guys just giving a look and he would just say, hey, no, that's not, that's not the way you do it. It's supposed to be like this. He just knew every, everyone's assignment. So when, like, I remember when I was like getting reps with the ones and stuff, it was times where I'd be like, so it's not like, actually I forgot my assignment. And then he'd just tell me, hey, do this. And it's like, you know, just, just being with a guy like that who, would do that, and he would sit there, and he would talk to you about any problem you're going through, even though he was, like, all about football. Um, I always tell a story of, um, I believe we were at a wedding, and um, everyone, you know, you, you know, you have drinks, and, you know, you're, you're whining. Now, we're in off season. You're like, okay, you're winding down. Everyone's having a good time, and Sean is having a good time, and then, like, he just snaps into football mode. Like, you know, we have to do this year, man. We have to do it. Let's go, let's go. And we're like, dude, we spent, like, like we're with you, like, all the time. Like, how much you, you care about football. Um, so, like, with that, I think there was a story where, you know, I went um, – I forgot my backpack and my iPad at the facility, so I go back at maybe 8 o'clock at night to get it. He's in there on the on, in the team meeting room watching film on the big screen by himself. I was like, this dude is crazy. Like, when are you going to go home? Like, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, just, just being around Sean, um, you can see why, like, you know, he, he had as much success as he did, granted, granted his injuries and, and things like that. But you can see why every time he was healthy – how he impacted the game and how many tackles he had. And like, man, this dude is always around football because he knows where it's going. <laughs> like, he knows that because he studies and he just works at it. And I don't remember, there was a countless number of, of, you know, hours we spent after practice, you know, working hard. And I want to say my first day with the Cowboys, you know, they had me, you know, I was like, put the new guy, giving, you know, giving the looks and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm like just tackling dummy. And, you know, everybody's you just wrap up and keep going. Well, Sean tackled me to the ground. And I was like, and then they were like, don't worry about that. Like he just, that's just him. So every, they would make me go with Sean every single time. 
but after the first time, it was I started like you know what I'm saying, trying to run him over, and he loved it. So he was like, so we obviously became like really good friends um, because it was like through the sport we both loved it, and I love I love him, I love him as a person. Um, can't say enough great things about him. Um, impacted the Cowboys. So whenever you think about you know Cowboys, I, I will say you think Daxie, Sean Lee, um, obviously Tyron Smith, um, Zach Martin. You know those those vocal guys. Um, so just being able to obviously come and spend some time with him after, you know, everything I had been in, it was like, he was just there, super supportive. And then Layton, um, about Layton, I can't believe he's going in year six. I just remember when. Isn't that I, wild? Crazy. I, I remember, I remember Layton, he had, uh, came into the weight room. I want to say he was on his draft visit and I was in there working out and we just started talking and I was like, you know, dude, you know, good luck with everything. I hope, I hope you, you know, you're, you end up where you want to be at. And I want to say, like, maybe, like, a week or two later, I ran into him again at, like, a Call of Duty, like, you know, um, it was, like, a Call of Duty convention or something like that. And then we just started talking again. And then it was, like, and then a couple, I want to say, like, a month or two later, he got drafted to the Cowboys. And then uh, we, I, like, we couldn't wait to see each other when he came here. He was, like, dude, we, we ran into each other two or three times in the past, like, month. I'm glad you, you know, because he wanted to be here and. Um, just seeing how he, you know, just just seeing how he's he's grown as a as a person as a player, is definitely tremendous. Especially when you go from like having a really really good rookie year to dealing with you know some struggles and people are always is he falling off, but to to stay relentless and I don't think people understand how much he contributes to the well being of the Cowboys and the well being of you know the defense because I mean he he knows just as much as Sean Lee did and um, that's how much Lee knows the defense. You know he learned from Sean Lee in that regard and then. Um, Whenever, whenever you're six four, six five, you can move like that, and you know you know the defense well enough to put everybody in good situations. Um, I feel like he came off a really good year last year. I'm excited to see what he what he does this year. Yeah, definitely. Brandon and I a while back, we we've been so high on Layton yeah. this year. We we just we were so high on him. He came out, and I I will die on this hill that he would have matched his rookie numbers if he was not out with injury for yeah. those games i will die on that hill um so i'm i'm just so excited for him just this resurgence that he has especially especially when you like i said when you go from having a great rookie year to you face challenges i mean it's just a testimony to to him to be able to fight through that for america's team because you know you you deal with such scrutiny obviously wearing a star but you also get you know a lot of the uh, a lot of benefits as well sometimes you know it could be it could be kind of harsh wearing a star um, and then actually succeeding and then actually not doing as good. So it's kind of like, you know, you're held to the standard, but no one holds late to a higher standard than himself. So just to see how well of a year he had last year. And then like you said, um, even with missing games, you know, just, just in, you know, him having another full um, off season where he can, he can, you know, work and go hard and, and, and do his thing. Same thing with Dak. I mean, he's never really had like a healthy off season. So I'm, I'm very excited, very excited. I think they'll do really well. And not only that, you mentioned the Sean Lee stories, which it's always good to reminisce about about <laughs> Sean Lee. Uh, but it's it's crazy because even just from a viewer standpoint, you could tell that when Damone Clark was trying to figure things out as he got thrown into the to the lineup after coming back to be healthy, he was better when Leighton Vander Esch was playing next to him because you could tell that yep. Leighton was helping him out on the sidelines. They were going over things. Yep. So it's also crazy to see now that Leighton's become the Sean Lee of the defense and how he's kind of yep. you know showing guys where to be and all that. It's pretty pretty awesome and I know you know we we know a lot of the guys on on the team in the room but if you had to give an overall grade uh we'll go to you first and then we'll go to to Jess I'll abstain from this because we can't make things an odd number we'll have to keep it an even number uh but Jay for you like what would you give an overall grade heading into the season for the linebacker group 
Um, heading into the season, I think I'm going to go with a solid. I'm just looking at my list here. Um, are we are we counting Micah in the actual core or? Yeah, if you want to throw him in there, because again, it, it, oh, unlo- yeah, yeah. unless so, we unless we see it where he's full time defensive end, I I kind of right. think that he's still going to be all over the place. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and especially because Dan Quinn came out and was like, "Hey, listen to me. Right. Don't listen <laughs> to Micah." Um. Yeah. Let's go yeah, ahead and count him. Um, I will go with a solid B plus. Um, that's obviously with Micah being a linebacker. Uh, like you said, Layton coming off a year of, you know, offseason healthy. Um, you go with uh, Damone Clark and what he's coming off of. And then I want I wanted to be around a B because, like, after that, I'm kind of like, it's kind of unproven. So let me go with a B. Let me, I'll, I'll go with a B because I'm just not too sure about, you know, um, obviously Jabril and, um, you know, how Devin Harper will be back and, and playing and obviously with the rookie. So let me go with a solid B um, heading – See, it's so tough because Mike is so good. It's like <laughs> you go with. I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere between a B and B plus for sure. I, I want to go B plus because have him down towards a B with Micah is kind of like hard because he's like such a game changer. So I don't know. It's difficult. Yeah, Mike in there is like full time, but I'll go with a, a solid. I'm, I'm going back to a B plus. Going back. Okay. To, like okay, so you're saying B plus with Micah, B plus B, just solid B with no Micah. Yeah, like if you, if you put like half of Micah, I would go B. But like if you're saying like Micah with his rushing ability, I mean it has to be like like he didn't. He, I mean if you had Micah out of it, I would say you know like a solid solid B with with Layton um, and then all the other guys. But when they have to be somewhere around a B to B plus with Micah, it's, it's just hard. It's just hard. But uh, yeah, I would say overall grade, just give me a solid B. I know okay. I switch it, it back and forth, back and forth, but I'm going to go with a solid B, and my reasoning behind that is, you know, a lot of these guys are coming into a, a new year. I don't want to be too boastful and say, hey, they're a B-plus, and hey, I don't want to get everybody thinking about it, because they do have some work to do, and uh, they do have some things to prove um, after, obviously, after, obviously, Layton um, and Micah, there's, you know, there's the other other five or five guys or so still so have a lot to prove from, hey, can this guy even play at the NFL level? Um you know, is Jabril going to get more playing time? Is he going to, you know, be man and man on tight ends or, or whatnot? But I can't really give him a grade because a lot of a, a, a big grade um, because a lot of the guys haven't really done anything at the NFL level just yet. But if we're heading into the season, give me a B, and then let's let's talk mid season. <laughs> I love that. We'll come back on here and we'll reevaluate because yeah. school will be back in session. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to be happy with this linebacker and I'm going to give them a B. And and that's because there is some things to be proven still. And I'm not counting Micah in this conversation. This does not include Micah. Um, like you said, it's really hard to kind of lump him in with the rest of the group sometimes. Yeah. Um because you know he's proven at this point. Yeah. So I'm excited for Damone Clark in his second-year jump. I think he can continue to learn a lot from Layton. He can continue to jump and grow. And like you said, he was just coming off of injury, so not really having that monkey on his back anymore is going to be a lot easier uh, for him to not necessarily have to rehab as much and just focus on the football. So I'm excited for that. Jabril Cox coming off of an injury last season. So um, I'm interested to see in training camp how much more work he's going to get in there. Um, I think Malik Jefferson, somebody that really could step up and step into his own this season. And then I personally 
Look, it might be the unpopular opinion, but I am excited to see what DeMarvian Overshone has. I yeah, think this sure. guy just sure. has the ability to be a threat, and he sure. is the perfect – you think of a Dan Quinn guy, it's literally DeMarvian Overshone. You see him in person, you're like, yeah, that's someone Dan Quinn would want. Like, it just yeah. – it makes sense. He fits in more than people give him credit for in this room. Um, so I'm excited. Obviously, LVE – really high on him, going to continue to be high on him. I think the offseason, getting him his rest, his rehab, everything he needs to have a healthy season ahead is important. And, um, uh, yeah, Micah, we period. Micah Parsons, period. <laughs> you don't really need to say anything else. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a B. And, Brandon, your name also starts with a B, so I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy <laughs> because what the heck? We have to give grades if you don't. No, no. What's your final grade for yeah. this linebacker? I, I think it's going to be a, cl- uh, a clean sweep here with, with the letter B. It's like, I feel like it's Sesame Street uh, where it's like presented by the letter B. Um, no, I, I think there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of upside. We talked about Overshone. I think not only that, he also has a has, uh, great, great voice too, um, singing some Justin Turner. That's always awesome. But uh, yeah. I, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, Jess, how training camp plays out. I think a lot of these guys, they're going to make their mark there. You know, there's a lot of unproven guys where, Isaiah Lamb could kind of come out of nowhere, um, you know, uh, coming from the HBCU uh, school. I mean, he has a lot of praise coming his way. Uh, really talented player. A lot of people were shocked he went undrafted, but the fact that the Cowboys were able to get him, that's awesome, of course. Um, and and again, the coaching, I think, will play a huge factor into this where I think it's like it could be the boat or the, the tide that lifts all boats, something like that, uh, whatever the saying is. But I think that, you know, Scott McCurley could have that type of impact on this room where um, I think that it's just just with a lot of inexperience, he could be a great teacher. And I think that will prove dividends for them. Not only at the beginning, like beginning of the year might be a little rough, but I think towards the end of the year, you'll see a drastic difference from the group that we see in the beginning. For sure. Yep. Very good point. And you know, a very great discussion, gentlemen. I loved this. Jay, is there anything else you want to throw out there? Where can the people find you? If they want to go tweet you, we usually have our uh, listeners go tweet people, random words. Maybe they can just tweet you the letter B, just B. That's it. There you go. Yep, Where so they it's, find you? it's simple. It's uh, just at J March. So J A Y M A R C H. And that's on Twitter and Instagram. So it's pretty, pretty simple. Um, and that's where you guys can find me at. Well, there you go. We're going to have to go tweet J, just the letter B, Brandon, which also starts with B. <laughs> and then I'm here thinking about it linebacker LB. Oh, man. Don't go. get me started. Brandon, <laughs> where can the people find you as well? Uh, it's going to be at Brandon is right. And that is W R I T E. But Brandon starts at the B. There you go. Yeah. We need not forget that. You have to mention it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JessNavarez underscore. Uh, I'm still tweeting about Taylor Swift. Sorry, not sorry. That's not going to stop. Um, but, Jay, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We hope you had just as much fun as we did with this discussion. I did. And thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to continue watching your guys' content. Well, thank you so much. And you know what? We have a little bit of a new tradition here on the podcast. We always end the podcast by saying go Cowboys, but I feel like it's only fitting that you end our podcast today. So ladies and gentlemen, Jay March, take it away. Go Cowboys. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 